Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, I had a moment of like, don't hold it against me, and like, I was like in my feelings, basically. And I was like, this podcast has kind of made us like best friends. Yeah. Like we talk all the time, and yeah, the calls start out like, oh hey, I was thinking we should do this for TikTok, but then we end up talking for like thirty minutes just about everything. Kate might be the funniest person I have ever met in my entire life. And I hate to say that because she just thinks she's hilarious and it annoys me. The other day we were playing life at her apartment. It was me, Kate, Devin, and our friend Brandon. And it was wine and game night, but I hate wine. So I was drinking twisted tea. Brandon had this rainbow forest cafe like weird looking glass for his wine glass did you say rainbow forest cafe yeah i did it's rainforest cafe oh you know i might have made a joke about it being rainbow forest because everybody there was some sort of queer except for me <laughs> Alrighty then um but any anyway rainforest cafe but right as we were like about to start playing brandon just fucking knocked his red wine glass over and it was like a crime scene on the carpet and brandon looks at kate and goes like i'm so sorry and she doesn't react at all and she's like she's kind of taking it better than i thought she would and i was just like because she hasn't noticed will you fucking clean it up (laughs) and then she sees this huge it was like from the edge of the couch to the wall and it spread out like that it was so bad and like we all just kind of like leap into action. No one really knows what to do. Devin's the only one that's smart enough to uh Google what to do. And she's basically just like pour salt on it. It'll like help get the stain out. And I, we couldn't find any salt. Apparently, Kate doesn't have any. So next was club soda. But luckily, Brandon brought those what are those green bottles that starts with a P, whatever that brand is. Oh, San Pellegrino. That. So we're just dumping that on the ground. And just like blotting the carpet with towels. And the stain actually came out really well. But like at one point, Devin was basically just running the show. And I was like, Devin's the MVP. I'm her little helper. Brandon's like, what am I? And I was like, you're the villain who realized the error of his ways. And then Kate was just like, well, what am I doing? Because she was she actually had a soda streamer. So she was making more club soda and like running it over every couple minutes. And she's like, what am I? And I was like, you're the victim. And she's like, yeah, good point. And then like every couple minutes, she would just be like, I can't believe I had to go through this. (laughs) But then last night we were watching Love Island and we had just made like a pasta dish and we were eating it. And she's like, I want a sweet treat. But like the entire day she had been complaining about having a stomach ache. And she's like, oh, I really want a sweet treat. I really want a sweet treat. She finally gets up. She's like, I'm going to get a sweet treat. I'm like, no, because your stomach is bothering you. It's just going to make it worse. No sweet treat for you. And she's like, Zane, get out of my way. I was literally blocking her path to the kitchen because I was like, no sweet treat. And she was like, fine, I'm going to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom. I'm still standing and like watching the TV. And then all of a sudden I hear. And I turn around and she's just sprinting by me running to the kitchen. <laughs> That sounds exactly like something I would do. She is, she's a hoot. She's pretty funny.
I saw your eyes light up when I mentioned we watched Love Island. There is an episode coming up that Kate is going to be on. I'm sure we can just wait till then to talk about it. I'm like completely caught up. I think I have like, I, I've been watching them like as they come out. So I have so much to say. I'm driving to LA with my friend next this coming week and I'm hoping she's caught up because I'm going to spend that two hour drive just talking shit about Love Island. This is such a good season. It's such a good season, but I hate everyone. That's why it's such a good season. There's no couples that I'm like, yeah, they're so good. They're all a disaster. Yeah, they're all, yeah, it's a mess. We'll stop talking about it, mom. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. I'm Lauren. And today we are covering season three, episode three, Further Instructions. And I cannot just, I cannot be bothered with this episode. (laughs) You don't like it? I like the island storyline. I love seeing Locke like kind of get his groove back. And there's like a couple scenes that I love. I love the vision sequence that he has and just certain aspects of like relationships. But like the flashback storyline is terrible. Uh, Can't stand it. And considering that this is our uh, one year special, it sucks. (laughs) Has this podcast been out for a year? Yep. Oh my god. I'm shocked right now. Technically, last week's episode was the released the day before the one year anniversary, but like I guess this is the first time we've been doing it for a full year officially. So hello. Happy one year. That was the fastest year ever. I feel like we just started this. We didn't even acknowledge that we hit 50 episodes the other a couple weeks ago. Oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, season three's premiere will be the 50th episode, not counting flashback. But I was like, yeah, I gotta I gotta make note of that. And I completely forgot to. Nobody cares about 50. Talk when we get to 100. By the time we get to 100, we'll be almost done. Ayo, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> What'd you think of the episode, Lauren? It was fine. Like, I didn't dislike it. I wasn't, like, enthralled. It was, it was an okay episode. I will say, I think it's just, when I remembered, oh, it's a Locke-centric episode, I was like, this is it, guys. We're going to find out why he's in the wheelchair. Uh, I was obviously disappointed with that. So, like, yeah, this flashback storyline, I feel like it didn't really give me anything, except Aaron Paul. That's his name, right? Was that Aaron Paul? Yes, from Breaking Bad. Andrew recognized him from the kitchen, bro. No, that was Justin Chatwin. You're fucking joking. They're fucking twins. Put a side <laughs> by side. Put a side by side. You're joking. You're there, joking. That was not Aaron Paul. <laughs> Oh my God, literally like they show him and I was like, that's Aaron Paul. And then Andrew from the kitchen goes, is that Aaron Paul? And he like walks closer and we're both like, yeah, that's Aaron Paul. And then the whole rest of the episode, I was like, cool, you go, Jesse Pinkman. I am like so fucking mind blown right now. Like even more than you saying, can I get us? Can you, what's that guy's name? Justin Chatwin. Justin Chatwin. See, I have to, I have to not be alone in this. Chatwin and Aaron 
They're fucking twins. Oh my god. Look at these side-by-sides. I'm looking at them right now. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's the same person. Not even in a different font. That's the same fucking font. (laughs) One's capitalized, one's not. That's crazy. I, like... Okay, but you got to admit, that's like an easy mistake to make, right? Oh, absolutely. I just, I mean, I feel like I would have noticed his name in the credits. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm surprised I didn't see it because I did see Ian Summerholder's name pop up. And then I stopped looking at the name. So I was like, okay, it could have popped up after. That is so funny. Actually, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. All right, give me a synopsis. Oh, yeah, that. Here's a synopsis. John wakes up and takes action to right his wrongs. And Aaron Paul is not in this episode. <laughs> Did you, was it originally Aaron Paul's in this episode? No, I just feel like that needs to be clarified for any dummies like me. That's amazing. I can't wait to tell Andrew. He's going to be like, oh, I never really thought it was Aaron Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how that goes. I've got quick bits. Yay those of you who didn't see because it's, this is an audio platform i just flipped lauren off this episode was directed by stephen williams when Locke introduces eddie at dinner one of the cult members comments on eddie's geronimo jackson t-shirt geronimo jackson was one of the albums found in the hatch by hurley last season i did know that is geronimo this is a, a made-up band right? i'm pretty sure they're a real band because i remember seeing an interview with either damon lindelof or carlton cues where they basically were just like Oh, yeah, all of the music that we use is just, like, stuff that our parents listen to. Like, the Make Your Own Kind of Music and Downtown. I think Damon Lindelof was like, yeah, that's just, like, stuff my mom would play Saturday mornings. I think they're real. I think they're just, like, really obscure. Uh, but I'm not certain. How the fuck do you spell Geronimo? I don't know. This is the second time we've had to Google in the first ten minutes of the episode. Nothing's coming up on Spotify, but it could be because I'm spelling it so terribly. Hold on, they might be fake. Oh, it's fake. It's fake. Little is known about the group, but reference to the band have been made on Lost starting in season two. Yeah, our, this is on Lostopedia. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I would listen to the music and let you guys know on flashback if it's worth anything, but it's not real. <laughs> they they apparently have a song called Dharma Lady. And now that I think about it, That song definitely pops up later in the show. Goody. This is the lowest rated lock centric episode of the series, which is good because really, like I said, it was bad, but it's not like the worst. It's not like fire and water or another episode that's coming up soon. Fans, you know what I'm talking about? So it's only up from here. Yeah, I didn't think it was bad. It was just kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Get used to that theme for season three. (laughs) Goody. So excited. The numbers pop up. On Eddie's ID, it is number 84023. So 4, 8, and 23. Both season two and season three's third episode was lock-centric. According to E! Online, Claire and Charlie were supposed to kiss in this episode, but the idea was scratched. And lastly, Ian Summerholder returns as Boone. Didn't they already kiss? Yeah, but like, kiss again. Oh, who cares? To like, show that that's like a thing. Whatever. Nobody gives a shit. (laughs) How about we get into it? How about... Locke's eye opens in the jungle. 
a naked Desmond runs by and Locke is confused and tries to call out to him, but he can't. This scene is very reminiscent to the opening of the pilot with Jack. Close up of the eye, looking up at the tree above him, someone runs by. I thought it was a dream sequence. <laughs> because Desmond was naked? <laughs> Until he comes out onto the beach camp, I thought this was a dream because it just seems so weird. Like, naked man, the stick falls out of the tree. I just, Locke has a lot of weird dreams. So I just thought, <laughs> oh, this is a dream sequence. And then it just kept going. And I was like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> well, yes, Locke does stand up and Echo's Jesus stick falls out of the tree and lands on top of him. Locke then returns to the beach camp and rips down a tent. I hope to God it was his or like one of the dead people's because he just like ripped that thing down. And that was such a good tent. It had a hammock in there. It better have been his because if that was my tent, I would have been pissed. He'd be in a wheelchair again. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Just for like a second. Just for like a day. The island would heal him. If it wasn't his tent like if he was gonna do it to anybody it would have been hilarious if it was just to sawyer because can you imagine if sawyer like gets back after everything he's going through and he's just like son of a bitch but it's not his tent because we know what sawyer's tent looks like and even if that was somebody else's tent who's like dead or whatever still what a dick move taking it down it was such a good tent yeah i'm actually really upset about this douche (laughs) of the week no i'm just absolutely not Claire asks Charlie where Locke has been and where everyone else is and tasked him with finding it out. And I really would have liked if Claire was like a part of this scene. Like, I know she didn't have to like go into the jungle or whatever, but like, why send Charlie to do it? Like, she could also ask, like, utilize Claire more writers. Come on. Yeah, but you know what I just took from this scene is like the same thing I said, I think in the finale or whatever. Charlie just like, Walked away from that whole disaster at the hatch. I was just like, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> I, I cannot believe how like unbothered he is. Based on what he experienced over there, like, don't you think he thinks they're all dead? And he's just like, whatever, I'm gonna come back and kiss Claire and just like, you know, be a fake little family with her. Like, what a weird way to react to that situation. Yeah, because when he walks up to Locke at the church, he's just like, oh, you haven't, you know, you you disappear for a full day after the hatch implodes. You don't call. You don't write. If it were me and I wasn't mute, I would have been like, you don't send a search party? <laughs> like, I'm yeah. out in the fucking jungle. He even admits that he knows that there was like an implosion or or an explosion. And he just was like, well, I can't <laughs> believe he didn't come talk to me. <laughs> Charlie asked Locke, like what he's doing and Locke can't respond. Charlie realizes that Locke has gone mute. Charlie asks where Desmond and Echo are and Locke mimes out to Charlie that he needs to speak to the island, which is confusing to Charlie. What do you think Locke meant by that at the time? I I don't know. I just took it at face value. He's never really like spoken to the island. He's had like dreams and just like interpreted whatever it was. Now he's like literally going like, what am I supposed to do? Although he did kind of do it when he was like banging on the hatch with the like, yeah, what do you want me to do? But even then, like, was that the island or was that Desmond just turning a light on? He thought it was the island, though. And I also I just feel like most of the times where he's felt like the island's communicating with him, it's just been like random. But he's like, this time I'm going to initiate it. Block finds Charlie at the kitchen and uses a notepad to ask for help in standing guard as he talks to the island. 
Charlie reminds Locke that he hates him for punching him in the face and, and accusing him of using heroin when he was not. You are leaving out a tiny detail there, Charlie. However, I really liked you in this episode, so I'm not going to bash on you. It's mentally, all, all uphill for Charlie here. I'm, I'm mentally bashing, but whatever. <laughs> Charlie asks what a sweat lodge is, and Locke motions for him to follow. And we get our first flashback. Locke is driving a pickup truck through the rain and stops to pick up a hitchhiker named Eddie, played by Aaron Paul. <laughs> I just cannot get over how much they look alike. I, When you told me that, I was like, there's no way. I've watched this show a hundred times. I would recognize Aaron Paul. Yeah, but like, you should have thought that was Aaron Paul. They are twins. I've never <laughs> seen two people who look more alike. Oh, Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman. No, I think that this doppelganger situation is more extreme than them i really do wow to me i think here knightley and Allie portman look more alike because in star wars the phantom menace when it's revealed that like the body double thing i didn't realize that that was kira knightley i just thought natalie portman was playing both characters fair enough but you were also a child no and... i mean i mean like recently oh you're an idiot okay. somebody told me kira knightley was in star wars and i was like oh they look a lot alike just in a still picture, but obviously they have different accents. And because of that, Kira Knightley's mouth looks different when they talk. So mm-hmm. I feel like I could easily tell them apart. These two people, same person. Have we ever seen them in the same room? That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. I feel like Aaron Paul would like own up to the fact that he's been on Lost. I just, I'm so mind blown by this. It'll take me a while to get over it. <laughs> They introduce themselves to each other, and we learn that Eddie is looking for work because he's running away from his dead mom and drunk dad. The rain lets up, and a cop pulls them over. He has them step outside and asks Locke what he has in the bed of his truck. Guns and groceries. The cop is just, like, shocked by this, but just, like, looking at everything that this scene has. Pickup truck, you know, middle of nowhere, the cop is, like, wearing, like, the sheriff hat thing. I'm like, this is clearly, like, a rural area. It makes sense that he has guns. Like, why are people, why is he so shocked? I don't know. Locke points out that he has all the proper documentation and then asks if they are free to go. And then the cop tells him that he could still take him in for picking up a hitchhiker. Eddie lies and says that Locke is his uncle. And he asked him to pick him up. The cop tells Locke to get out of there, and Eddie asks why he has all the guns, and Locke smiles at him. What were your overall thoughts on this flashback storyline? Uh, the whole flashback storyline, or like right now? The whole flashback storyline. Honestly, most of the time I was just thinking, what is the timeline of Locke's flashback stories? Like, when did this happen? I was literally trying to base it on how much hair he had, but I was so confused. Like, he makes the comment during the prayer, like, oh, I found this family. It's so much better than my family, which makes me think it's after the kidney debacle. This is post-Helen breakup. I don't, I don't know. I just, okay. How many bad things can happen to Locke? A couple more. Great. <laughs> I mean, I mean he's still, he's... He's still got to get in that chair. Right. That's what I'm just like, what the hell? I mean, honestly, if you did make me think, hmm, Locke is already a little bit susceptible to being, not that this was a cult, but it was kind of an off the grid found family type of situation, which is very similar to a cult. Is this not a cult? I could have sworn it was a cult. <laughs> 
I mean, I would take it as more of just like a commune. It's not a cult. A cult, by definition, you have to be like following one person and there are like religious aspects to it. I'm getting this from our girlies over at Red Handed. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's more commune. I mean, like, obviously it's just a front for like a drug operation, but like it felt very cult to me. Like, obviously they weren't like following one person, but like Mike and Jan were like the leaders and they say grace and everything. Not that like religion automatically means cult, but it, it, it very much felt like it to me. Yeah. But it could also feel like a, just a crime family. Like think about like, okay, you've got like the mafia or some shit. You've got the leader and oftentimes they are religious just because they're doing crime. Doesn't mean they're not praising Jesus. Charlie comments on the sweat lodge as Locke prepares himself the drugs. Charlie reminds him of the no tolerance policy that he set him with. Again, like, I don't know if they're just trying to kind of like sweep what Charlie did under the rug and be like, okay, we like Charlie now. But like, he just keeps going like, oh, yeah, you hit me because you thought I was using drugs. It's like, no, you kidnapped the child twice. Yeah, honestly, maybe it's just because they are going to do like a a positive journey for Charlie. But at the same time, if you want to do that, just stop mentioning it. Yeah. Because obviously this show was week to week and had breaks in between. So people might've forgotten. Stop bringing it up. If you I want. Mean, it's almost been a full year since that episode came out at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Locke tells him to stand guard and do not come in. And in the sweat lodge, Locke takes some drugs and steams the place up. He waits until Boone grabs his shoulder, saying it was good to see him again. Locke tells him that he is sorry, and Boone reminds him that he was a sacrifice that the island demanded. Locke shakes his head no and tries to tell him that it's not true, but he cannot speak, and Boone tells him that he will speak when he has something worth saying. Boone says he is there to help him find his way again so he can bring the family back together. Boone tells him to follow him, but Locke's legs do not work. So Boone tells him to get into the wheelchair. Thoughts on Boone coming back? Loved it. Obviously, you saw Ian Summerholder's name, so it wasn't like a huge surprise. But is it was interesting to me that his hair uh, looks like that. Yeah, not the best hair, but his beautiful blue eyes. I really like this scene because a lot of this episode is like Locke believing in the island again and getting his groove back. But he still is like, that sacrifice the island demanded thing is like not real and like i shouldn't have said that kind of thing he clearly still feels a lot of guilt for what happened to boone but like boone essentially just lets him off the hook which is weird do you think this is actually boone or like some sort of like manifestation of boone in Locke's mind through or the island the latter why i mean i just logically it's just it's not boone it's it's Locke's hallucination like Boone focuses on okay here's the thing if it's actually Boone don't you think there'd be mention of Shannon the conversation with Boone centers only around what's relevant to Locke why would Boone mention Shannon I don't know just because that's what's important to Boone but like he's dead so he also would know Shannon is dead that depends on what you believe about the afterlife he might not know that Well, I mean, he knows everything that's going on the island. 
because it's a manifestation of Locke's subconscious. So I'm saying he talks about the guilt that Locke feels about him dying. And then he just brings him around. Now, the only reason obviously where the island comes into it is he's showing Locke stuff that Locke doesn't know and giving little inklings about that type of stuff. But do I think it's Boone? No, I don't. Boone pushes Locke around the Sydney airport, telling him that someone is in serious danger and only he can save them. Locke points at Claire, Charlie, and Aaron waiting in line for check-in, and Boone says they will be fine for a while. Did Claire have bangs? Yeah. That is the biggest mystery of the show, in my opinion. How did Claire suddenly get bangs on the island? But she wasn't on the island. She was in the airport. She's going to have bangs the rest of this season. Interesting. I did notice that Charlie got a haircut this season, and so I was just like, obviously... One of the background characters is a hairdresser. And Claire, she they Claire's been cutting Charlie's hair every couple oh. of weeks. Well, it looked like a better, a well um well done yeah. haircut. Yeah. But yeah, someone's def- someone's definitely a hairdresser on this island. Maybe it was Claire. Like if you're gonna give yourself bangs, you gotta have some skill. I don't I don't know. They're pretty decent bangs. And without a mirror. There's a mirror. Whatever. Who cares? Anyway, so Boone says they'll be okay for a while. Yeah. Obviously, I know he dies, so. Well, he said they will be okay. Look, I don't know anything about Claire. I also don't care that much. Obviously, I don't want anything to happen to a baby. What? You don't care about Claire? She's fine. She's just there for me. Like, we'll see. Locke points at Saeed's son and Jin in line, and Boone says Saeed has it handled. If you remember, this episode was originally supposed to premiere before last week's episode. I do appreciate the switch, because then that line would have been like, oh, there is no tension in that episode, because Saeed has it handled. Yeah, that's true. That would have, like, taken all anxiety out of that episode. Yeah. We then see Hurley is working the check-in desk and typing the numbers into the computer. Boone tells him that Hurley is not in danger either. And then we see Desmond as a pilot walking with two flight attendants, definitely flirting. Boone says, forget it, he's helping himself. Then Boone pushes Locke to a window outside of security where he sees Kate, Sawyer, and Jack being wanded by Ben. And the wand is making the beeping noise from the hatch. Locke waves his arms, trying to warn them, but Boone says he cannot help them yet. First, he has to clean up his own mess and wheels him away. Boone lowers himself to John when he is suddenly at the top of the escalators, telling him to come up. The image of a shirtless man who can't use his legs just laying on an escalator, riding it up, haunts me. (laughs) Okay. I don't know why. This part has always just made me feel weird. Locke rides up the escalator, and when he reaches the top, he finds blood, Echo Stick covered in blood, more blood, and Boone covered in blood, like when he fell, telling him to clean up his mess, saying they have got him, and he does not have much time. Locke snaps out of his vision, and when he gets up, a polar bear launches at him. Locke then jumps out of the lodge, and Charlie asks if he is okay. Locke grabs his knife. Charlie asks what he's doing, and Locke tells him he's going to save Mr. Echo's life. So a lot happened there. What were your big takeaways? Not a whole lot. Just kind of took it face value. Sawyer 
says to Kate at one point in the sequence, wipe the stars out of your eyes. That is a line in next week's episode. Hmm. I think this is probably my favorite sequence of the episode. I think it's funny that they ha- implemented so much hatch stuff, even though like that's like over and done with. Yeah, but that's such a big thing for Locke, you know? Yeah. Are they going to continue to harass us with the numbers the rest of the show, even though that's like not a thing anymore? It's still a thing. Oh. And, like, where did the numbers come from? If you remember that radio tower that was broadcasting the numbers, they had to have come from somewhere. Right. Okay. I don't think it's as intense, but the numbers are always. Mm. Okay. I mean, hell, they were in this episode, the in Eddie's ID and everything. Yeah, I know. That's why I was asking. You just want me to stop, but I'm never going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Locke finds Echo's cross in the jungle and tells Charlie that Echo was dragged this way by a polar bear. Charlie says that the bear was killed by Sawyer and Locke says he killed a polar bear. How do you feel knowing that the polar bear is the villain of the week? I don't love it. The polar bear is just doing what it has to do to survive. That's all it is. Yeah, that's the same thing in real life. Polar bears, because their food source is so scarce, they they won't hesitate. They will fuck you up. Uh, speaking of polar bears, we have to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to Amy and Max. Thank you for the polar bear king drawing that you sent us. We love it. If you haven't seen it already, go to our Instagram or our Facebook. We posted it there. It's amazing. Yes, thank you. I got a huge kick out of it. When we started this, I was like... Oh, this is just going to be something fun that you and I do. Now we got people sending us art of the dumb shit we say. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. And I did notice that Amy posted it to her own Facebook. I was just talking about our podcast and I was like, that is not something I ever thought would happen. I genuinely thought like our parents would listen to it and then they would stop even. So just that we have like regular listeners who care. That's kind of crazy. Thank yeah. you very much for putting up with us because we Yeah. And like even Max commented, she's like, yeah, she talks about the podcast all the time. And I was just like, really? So do we. Yeah. Well, I do. I don't know about you. Yeah, almost never. I was thinking about that. I was like, a lot of our conversations either revolve around or start or end with podcast stuff. And then we'll like move on to whatever. What is it going to be like when we're done? Like, do we just go back to not talking again? Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, I had a moment of, like, don't hold it against me. I had, like, a moment of, I was, like, in my feelings, basically. I was like, this podcast has kind of made us, like, best friends. Yeah. Like, we talk all the time. And, yeah, the calls start out, like, oh, hey, I was thinking we should do this for TikTok. But then we end up talking for, like, 30 minutes just about everything. And I'm like... We never talked this much. I mean, I don't talk to anyone this much except Delaney. And no. I guess Andrew, because he lives with me. And Devin's mom. Yeah, and Devin's <laughs> mom. But, but, but even that, like, I just think it's it's cool that we're this close and we live across the country from each other. And that was the whole point of us starting this podcast. So it did its job. And now we're famous. Yeah, so world winning over 30 countries. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should do another show after this lauren yeah we'll cross that bridge in 2025 
Yeah, when I know for a fact when you have a kid, it's just going to be the death of this. Probably, but we'll see. Yeah, once you tell me that you're pregnant, I'm going to be like, congratulations. We now have to record two episodes a week. (laughs) The two of them march on and Locke finds more blood. Then Locke tells Charlie to go back to Claire and Charlie says he's going to take his chances Locke tells him he does not want to hang around him because bad things happen to people that do, which really reminded me of Hurley and the and the curse. But mm-hmm. at this point, Locke is not aware of what happened with Michael. So he still blames himself for what happened to Ana Lucia and Libby. He obviously ba- blames himself for what happened to Boone. And now he's blaming himself for what happened to Echo. And I, I guess he doesn't blame himself for Desmond because he saw Desmond's okay. But... Like, my God, Locke, the blood is piling up. (laughs) That is true. Locke returns to the commune and hands a kid some candy on his way in. He pulls up and Eddie immediately asks about the sweat lodge. Locke explains that you go in there and meditate and figure out what you're supposed to be in your life. If you're a farmer or a hunter or a meth dealer. Because it's Aaron Paul. I know it's Aaron Paul. (laughs) Eddie asks what Locke was and Locke does not answer. He then introduces Eddie to Mike and Jan, the leaders of the cult. Sorry, commune. Mike and Jan. (gasps) Michael Michael Scott Scott. and Jan. It's all coming together. They say that Locke is a special guy. Everybody in this fucking show is special. But Locke's the most special. This word has no meaning to me anymore. Kate lately has been saying that I'm her special little guy. And it really bothers me. Mike gives a speech about Eddie joining them for supper, and Locke leads Grace, thanking God for helping him stop being so angry and finding a new family. He then ends Grace, and Eddie thanks him for bringing him into the cult. Sorry, commune. It reminds me of uh, Abby leading Grace during family functions and such. Why? I don't know. I just never, I would never want to do that. I know we've talked about this before, but like, is it rude? To say no. Uh, let's be honest. Our family would never ask either one of us to lead Ritz. We are heathens. That's true. Speaking of family, I, I was thinking about this the other day. So you, dad and I are living together again. And something that'll happen is I'll walk into the room while dad's watching TV and I'll sit down and I'll join him. Right? He'll be on his iPad reading articles and stuff or, or a book. Our father's a really well-read guy. And then suddenly he'll hand me the remote and say, you can watch whatever you want. And there's two schools of thought. You either watch whatever you want or you watch something that you would like to watch that he would also enjoy. And I'm like, I don't know what the right answer is because there's shows that I'm behind on that. I'm like, I would like to watch that, but I know he's not going to enjoy it. So what would you do if you were in my position? I've been in that situation a couple times when I've been over there. I typically put on something that I think he wouldn't mind, but also I do find that to be code for I'm going to take a nap. That's true. So oftentimes he just falls asleep and then I do just watch whatever I want. (laughs) He actually walked into the room. He like had just got back golfing when I was taking the notes for this episode. He's like, oh, what are you what are you watching? Oh, and then I was like, I can stop. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to take a nap. I was like, okay. I actually asked him a question later on 
uh, because I needed his expertise, and he gave it to me half asleep. <laughs> okay. We'll get there. Back on the island, the duo marches on and finds what is left of the hatch. Charlie asks what happened to it, and Locke says that it imploded. What were your thoughts when you saw it? I don't understand how anybody would survive an implosion. I mean, let's ask the submarine guys. Oh, wait. <laughs> Jesus, Lord. It just looked like a big hole in the ground to me. Honestly, I was like, thought I'd be bigger. Yeah, it. well, that was just the biodome crushing in on itself. Like, there's more under there. Oh, okay. Because remember, it goes down pretty far. Right. Well, anyway, I was just like, I don't understand. Like, it's an implosion. How did things get shot all the way to the beach? And how did three people survive? It kind of doesn't make sense, but who am I? Not Aaron Paul. Did the island protect them, maybe? No, I think the writers just don't know how implosions work. (laughs) No, they don't. Like, it doesn't make any sense, because, like, things are thrown... Like, there's more stuff they're going to find that has been, like, launched out of the hatch. Like, they're going to find the ping-pong table at some point. And I'm just like, why is that there? (laughs) Yeah, it makes no sense. Like, an implosion makes sense. If it's, like, a a super, super powerful magnet, of course, it's going to crush in on itself. But, like, things being shot out, no. That's stupid, but Like, people. Yeah. Like, how did... I guess you could say Locke and Echo, like, made a break for the exit after we stopped seeing them, but... Desmond was under the hatch, turning that key. Yeah, Desmond is the one that makes literally no sense. And he is unscathed. He's just naked. It makes no sense whatsoever. They find a dead boar, and then Locke shushes Charlie, telling him that this is an active kill, meaning whatever was eating it is going to be back for more. Charlie tells him to just say polar bear, and Locke then finds white fur and then confirms it is indeed a polar bear. The bear growls at them, and they take off running into the jungle. They hear movement, and Locke throws his knife at the brush. We hear a scream, and we find that the knife has hit Hurley's water canteen. What are the odds? Could you imagine if Locke would have killed Hurley? Yeah, I know! Hurley brings Locke and Charlie up to speed about what happened at the dock. He tells Locke that Henry was there and is the leader of the others. Which I found interesting, because I don't recall Hurley ever seeing henry hmm maybe it's just as he's walking away like they just show him like being sent off and then henry shows up who's not henry no i mean like in the hatch when they were holding him captive oh i see what you're saying i thought you were saying that they set him off before henry no no ben was there when that happened okay i don't unless the hello again that he says to jack hurley was able to be like yep this is the guy I also just feel like maybe, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Henry, not Henry, obviously, Hurley is aware that someone was in the hatch. So, yeah, maybe he was just able to deduce from context clues that this was the guy. There is a moment later on in the show where one of the characters is with a group of people that is unfamiliar with an element of the island. The monster and this person's like we gotta get the fuck out of here and i'm like this person has never seen the monster before like never been a part of a monster attack they obviously know stories 
but I just think it's interesting. I think after a while, the show just forgets who has been a part of what. And they're just like, we're three years into this. Let's just Hurley knows who Ben is. Yeah, but I also just feel like we can just infer that conversations happen that are not shown to us. Yeah. The reveal that Ben is the leader of the others shocks Locke and Hurley asks him what they're going to do. Locke tells Hurley to go to the beach and tell the survivors what happened. And Hurley asks what they are doing now. And Charlie tells him about Locke's message from the island to save Echo. Charlie tells him about the act of kill and Hurley needs to run. Oh, Hurley, you're hilarious to me. Locke finds more fur and Charlie tells him that when he would get high, he would watch BBC and he would watch not nature documentaries and polar bears are supposed to be really clever. The Einsteins of the bear community, he calls them, which is why it only took two hours for them to get a fish biscuit. Then they find the bear's den. Is that why you like polar bears so much or is it just because you like all bears? I like all bears. Polar bears aren't aren't my favorite. Bears are my favorite, and they're only offering me a polar bear, so. Have you seen a bear in real life yet? Every time we go on one of those Green Creek chips, you and Dad are always looking for a bear. I have seen, yes, bears in the wild, but only in the Smokies, mm. which everybody's seen a bear in the Smokies. That's not special. In California... Technically, the first time I went to Yosemite, I saw a bear from afar through binoculars, but like that wasn't good enough for me. I just went to Sequoia like three days ago. No bears. Did get a killer sunburn, though. Did I tell you the story about when I saw a moose on the Green Creek trip and I didn't tell anyone? In the van? Yeah. I feel like that rings a bell. For the listeners, basically, everybody wanted to see a moose. We were on a family vacation, which naturally leads to infighting. I was being told I was talking too much, so I stopped talking. We drove, we were driving. I saw a really big moose, and I didn't want to say anything because I was afraid dad was going to tell me to shut up again. So I just held it in. And then like two hours later, I did mention it, and dad yelled at me for not saying anything. Was it like full on like? Yeah. I hate you. I've never seen a moose. I mean, like, we were driving at, like, not, like, a fast speed because it was, like, a windy road. But, like, by the time I processed that what I had just saw, I would have been, like, oh, there was one, like, a hundred yards back. Like, turn around. You're a bitch. Sorry. Yeah, it's a family curse. Like, we never see the animals we want to see. In the next flashback, Eddie gives Locke a hard time about Lizzie having a crush on him, saying that she wants a daddy like everyone else there. I feel weird saying that. That's a very Jesse Pinkman thing to say. Locke says that that's not funny, and Eddie apologizes. Eddie then asks why he never talks about his father, and Locke tells him there's nothing to talk about. Eddie notices that people at the greenhouse are struggling with fertilizer, and he offers to help. Locke says no, they're on orchard duty, and Eddie asks what the big secret is about the greenhouse. He says everyone freaks out anytime he gets near it, and Eddie reminds Locke about the guns when he first arrived. Locke tells him that he is a guest and it takes time to be fully trusted, and Eddie says he's been there for six weeks. Locke tells him that Mike and Jan welcomed him with open arms, and Eddie cuts him off saying that they always say they're a family, but they have too many secrets. He tells him he knows with that much fertilizer, he knows what they're up to. 
and he wants in on whatever they're trying to blow up. Block laughs at him and tells him he will talk to Mike and Jan. Did you have a prediction on where this was going at the time? I knew it was a grow operation. I did not know that he's a cop. (laughs) I am still confused a little bit to this day about this scene. Was him saying, I know you're trying to blow something up, just like him bluffing to be like, oh, I don't really know what's going on here? Or did they actually think that these people were like going to blow something up? No, I think that it was just a bluff. He was just like, he has to be curious about it so that he can get access to it. But I think him being like, oh, I know you're trying to blow something up was to just throw Locke off to be like, Locke kind of let his guard down like, oh, this dumb kid. Like, oh, I'll just show him so he doesn't think we're terrorists. Mm. Lastly, Locke's father has been mentioned again. Do you think he's going to pop back up someday? Or is that is that storyline done? Uh, considering you're asking me if I think he'll pop back up, I'm going to go, yeah, because you always ask leading questions and you think you're subtle. I have asked you questions that are going nowhere. Like That's I asked fine. you a lot of questions about the Libby storyline that went nowhere. But you also asked me a lot of questions that are leading. And then like two episodes later, I'm like, oh, there, there you go. Do I want him to pop back up? No. So that's the way I'll answer that question. I think let sleeping dogs lie. Charlie says the bear maybe is out. And Locke tells him that he's going to stay out of the den anyway. Charlie argues that he doesn't have the right to tell him what to do. And Locke says he has no reason. And Charlie says he does not need a reason nor does Locke have one himself. I do think it's interesting that Charlie could have been like, Echo's my friend. Like, I've been doing this. Like, building the church with him and everything. Like, maybe Echo would have stood a chance against a bear if Charlie didn't show him where the dynamite was and then blow him up. Locke says he does have a reason he's supposed to go in there and then covers himself with mud. Charlie says if all goes to plan, they won't see the bear. And Locke says hopefully he won't smell him either. This is when I asked Dad, does covering yourself in mud actually mask your scent? And I don't know how reliable this information is because he was half asleep. But he says, it might help a little. And then he also said, (laughs) (laughs) Locke whips out a can of hairspray. And Charlie says, I hate to be the one to tell you this. Locke says it's not for him. They both have a little chuckle. And then Locke lights a torch and heads in, knife in hand. I do think it was nice for Charlie and Locke to repair their relationship in this episode, although it would have been nice for them to have an actual discussion rather than just, like, be friends again. That's not how men operate. Not at all. On his way back to camp, Hurley runs into naked Desmond, who asks if he is alone. Desmond asks if he has any clothes, and Hurley... Ask what happened to his. The the moment of Hurley being like, oh, I'm, I'm alone. I'm alone. <laughs> like, put it away. That made me laugh. Desmond tells him that he woke up in the jungle like this. And Hurley asked if the hatch blew off his underwear, which annoys Desmond, causing him to yell at him and reveal his junk. So Hurley gives him one of his shirts. What do you think happened to Desmond? I have not a clue. I... I feel like it's there's no way that it just his clothes would like burned off of him. I feel like maybe he had like a kind of a what's the word I'm looking for? I think he just took all his clothes off. And like he doesn't remember it or he's just decided to take off his clothes. 
like maybe like a hallucination type of situation and he just freaked out and took off i have no idea i don't know but he's naked in the den Locke steps on a toy truck and examines it where do you think a toy truck came from uh i think the polar bear nabbed a kid and yeah where did the kid come from the others should i don't know they're pretty far away from the the commune okay polar bears gotta eat yeah but he he managed that let's assume the kid died and he dragged him from wherever he managed to hold on to that toy truck the entire time well he drive he dragged echo alive why can't he drag the kid alive and the kid's like just out of fear just clutching to his little dump truck i guess in the next flashback Locke goes into the greenhouse after being told mike and jan are looking for him we find mike and jan are in panic mode packing money and weed Mike tells Locke that he screwed up. Locke asks why they are leaving, and Jan gives Locke a folder, calling him an idiot. Eddie is Aaron Paul. No, Shut no. up. <laughs> Eddie is a cop fresh out of the academy. Mike asks him if he realizes how much jail time they're going to get for all the weed they have, and Jan tells him that Eddie has been there for six weeks gathering evidence because Locke brought him there. Locke tells them to stop, saying he has not seen the inside of the greenhouse, and it's not too late to protect all of them. He says he can fix this, and Mike asks him how. And I think this was supposed to be like a big reveal, tension of the storyline, and I just don't care. Yeah, I guess I just was like, oh, okay. I was yeah. like, what's the point? Yeah, we we know that like everything's going to be fine for Locke. I guess like we're supposed to just assume that maybe he's going to end up in the chair from this. That's but... what I assumed. I thought... Oh, he'll get shot in the spine. But don't you think that would be such a letdown if that was it? Yeah, I do. But it's just like, and also if, you know, obviously a lot of times the flashback storyline mixes in with the on island, but I I really don't like just the him being like, you're a hunter, John. Well, he's cleaning up his mess. Yeah, I get that. But he doesn't even really clean up his mess in the flashback. No. Like we have no idea how... Like, we don't see the resolution or any of it. We just know, okay, he fucked it all up. We just assume. There's a deleted scene that I'll talk about when, like, the flashback storyline comes to an end. But, yeah. While we're on the topic, do you have a prediction on how Locke gets in the chair? At this point, I'm fucking over it. I have no idea. You're over it? Like, you don't care? Is this, like, Kate again where you're just like, eh? It's worse than the Kate situation. They're dragging it out three seasons. But they're not like teasing it like with like what they did with Kate, where it's like, what you do, blah, blah, blah. I want to tell you what I did. We just know he ends up in a chair. Yeah, but they're point. constantly reminding us that he was in the chair. Like it was in today's episode, his little hallucination trip with Boone. He's back in the chair. And so we're just like, oh, what, what's going to happen? Like, They've dragged it out so long that I just don't think anything could meet my expectations at this point. I think anything that they show me with how he got in the chair is going to be a letdown because it took three fucking seasons. That's even if they do it this season. Do you think they'll show it this season or you think they're going to continue to draw it out? God damn, I, I don't even know. I can't believe it took three seasons for them to do it. So at this point, maybe they'll never tell us. How mad would you be if they did never tell you? Furious. Because a lot of people say that this show doesn't answer all the questions and like that's why they don't like the ending. 
I don't agree with that sentiment, but like there are questions that go unanswered. I'd be pretty mad. On a, on a scale of one to 10, how important is it to you that they tell you? It's not, it's not that it's like, oh, it's pivotal or anything, but it's just, it's a part of his backstory. So why would they not tell us? You know what I mean? It just yeah. doesn't make sense. Like it better be, be something epic. What do you want? I think the only way that it could shock me is if it's like heavily related to another character. That's the only way that I could give a shit. If it's just like he got in a car accident and he's paralyzed, I'm going to be like, fucking great. You could have told me that in season one. Okay. Locke finds a skeleton wearing a Dharma shirt with the Pearl logo on it. I guess we're just supposed to assume that one of them got nabbed. Laying next to the skeleton is a bloody echo. The bear attacks and grabs Echo, Locke grabs Echo's hand, and eventually uses the homemade flamethrower to burn the bear. He grabs Echo and hauls ass out of there. Echo collapses to the ground, and Locke tells Charlie they gotta grab him and go. Really not much here, but I do know that you probably felt bad for the bear. (laughs) Honestly, I thought it was a little bit unrealistic that the bear wouldn't come after them. He got lit on fire. I don't really feel like he did, though. I feel like he got flame shot in his face and it might have scared him. But I think realistically, after the bear was like, oh, I'm not on fire. I think he would be out there. I may be misremembering it, but I'm pretty sure that like his face got hit. Yeah, but I just don't think like. I feel like it would singe his face. He didn't blowtorch him that long, you know? Yeah. Hurley asked Desmond about what happened in the hatch, and if he could have turned that key, why did he wait until now? Desmond tells him he did not know what was going to happen. Hurley asks what did happen, and Desmond tells him that when he turned the key, it must have detonated the electromagnetic anomaly and caused the hatch to implode. Hurley asks if that is also what caused the weird noise and the sky turning purple. Desmond says he missed all of it because he was underground, and Hurley tells him that the entire island vibrated, and then the Holy Trinity was grabbed by the others. Desmond tells him not to worry because Locke said he's going to go after him and after them in his speech. Hurley asks what speech he's referring to because all Locke said was he's going to save Echo and kill bears. Desmond says he was mistaken and is shaken up, but Hurley looks at him weird. What was your reaction to this, not what happens later? I just thought he must have had his own sort of like hallucination or dream sequence or something like that do you think there's any significance to the sky turning purple i mean once again considering you're asking it's been commented on a couple times though is why i'm asking yeah but here's what i think i think you need to think about how you phrase questions you ask leading questions you ask yes or no questions you should rephrase think about how a therapist asks questions it's called motivational interviewing It's been a while since I've been to therapy. Okay. Well, you should, instead of saying, do you think that the sky turning purple has significance, which is like, in my mind, it's going to, you're basically telling me the sky turning purple has significance. You should have said, what are your thoughts on the sky turning purple? I do ask you that. And it usually ends in, I have no thoughts. Yeah. But I also, I have no thoughts. So if I have no thoughts, I have no thoughts, but you, you lead me. And sometimes it kind of fucks with the show for me. Okay. Then I will start asking for thoughts. I'm going to need you to start getting them, though. Yeah, but if I don't have thoughts, like, if you force me to have thoughts, like... Okay. Fair enough. What are your thoughts on the sky turning purple? Look, I'm not a magnet scientist. My only thought would be that 
something happened when all that magnetic energy or whatever was released, but I really don't know. I thought to myself recently, like, oh, it's because of like purple is associated with something. And I was like, what is it associated with? And I was like, oh, ultraviolet. That's light, not magnets. Okay. Yeah. Once again, not a scientist. We have a medical person to consult now. We've got our father to consult for like nature stuff. We really need someone to consult when it comes to science stuff. Yeah, I don't think we've got anyone for that. We know a lot of engineers, but that's not going to help. So if anyone out there in the over 30 countries that listen to us, if you're a scientist, please let us know. (laughs) We need someone to consult. If you're a magnet scientist, call me. I'll leave Andrew for you. No, I have questions about magnets. Locke says he burned the bear pretty good and it won't come after them. Charlie says now that they have Echo, he wants to know what he saw in the sweat lodge. Locke tells him that he saw Boone and Boone told him to clean up his own mess. Charlie agrees with Boone saying that if he had just kept pushing the button, none of this would happen. Locke cuts him off saying he understands that it's his fault. And Charlie says that he speaks like someone who's had a few too many messes to clean up. I feel like you've had a couple. Charlie? Thought we weren't shitting on Charlie today. Old habits. Mm. In the next flashback, Eddie and Locke are hunting for a deer. They're walking around. They're being loud. They're not wearing their hunter safety orange. I hate this. (laughs) Okay, Dad. And Eddie asks if he talked to Mike and Jan yet. Locke lies, saying he is going to bring him to the greenhouse so they can explain everything, and then he points in the distance, making Eddie turn around. He then whispers, as if they weren't just having a conversation at full volume. Locke raises his gun to Eddie, and Eddie asks what he is doing. Locke asks if he knew it was him that was going to be in the truck, if the police chose him. Eddie slowly raises his gun, but Locke tells him he did not load that one, and demands an answer. Eddie confirms they chose him. Locke asks why, and Eddie tells him it was because he had not been there long, he has no criminal record, and his psych profile said he was amendable for coercion, which confused Locke. How the fuck do they have a psych profile? That feels like a bluff to me. I don't know. They feel like a small town police force. Like It's not like Eddie's a member of the DEA. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, this is like, I'm assuming based on the scenery and him saying he's trying to go to Eureka, that this takes place in Northern California. That's like, when you drive around Northern California, especially like very, very Northern of where Eureka is, it's like a whole lot of nothing. Like, aside from the fact that there's an ocean there, you could think you're in the middle of Kentucky or something. So I know there is not a task force doing psychological profiles on a grow operation. Like, that it makes no sense to me. Is it a bluff? Probably not. Do the writers understand how the police work? Probably. Yeah, it's probably that. But I just kind of was like, mm, that took me out of the moment a little bit. That was kind of stupid. Yeah. Eddie tells Locke to lower the gun. None of this is personal. He's not a bad person. He's a farmer. Locke tells him, no, he's a hunter. Eddie tells him he's going to walk away which he does, and Locke struggles to pull the trigger and eventually does not. Now, there is a deleted scene, which was supposed to be later in the episode, which basically just Locke watches 
everyone get busted mike and jan gets arrested and then he just like kind of disappears into the into the woods it's just assumed that like he doesn't get arrested or anything because they never will mention it why do you think eddie decided to let him go he spent six weeks with him and he knew that he's a good person a farmer well no he's a hunter but it's interesting because obviously this show focuses a lot on like are you a good person and showing the sins of their flashback life and everything and it was like as he's holding the gun up to him i didn't think he was going to kill him but i thought if he does then now he's a bad person in like the eyes of the island but I think this is just showing like he's been through a lot, but he hasn't done anything yet. That's like bad quote. Interesting. You say yet. I'm not saying that he's going to, or that he's not going to, it's just like, we've gotten a lot of information about him. And this was an opportunity where he could have done something bad. Now, granted you could argue, Oh, well he was part of an illegal drugs operation, but I think what, what's his face? What's his name? Like all I can think is Aaron Paul. Eddie. Eddie, what Eddie saw was this is a guy that, you know, has a troubled past and he he found a family here. And yeah, they're doing something legal, but, you know, he's just here to hunt and live off the land and do whatever. So that's why he didn't get him busted along with everyone else. Well said. Charlie, here's a stream. So they put Echo down to get some water in him. The, the single bottle they have is empty. So Charlie goes to get the water. Locke sit next to Echo and apologizes for doubting him and for giving up on his faith in the island. He says he messed up and now their people are captured. He says if he had just listened to Echo and let him push the button, then he could have gone with them and protected them, maybe even saved them. Echo wakes up and stares off into space, telling Locke that he can still protect them and he can still save them. Locke says he doesn't know where they are and Echo says he will find them. After all, he is a hunter. Charlie comes back and Locke tells him that he's awake. He takes the bottle and looks at Echo, whose eyes are now closed. He pours water into his mouth and Charlie says they should just get him back. What was your reaction to this? Okay, when he was first talking, Echo, I was like, oh, this is something that John's going to read into. But he is the hunter on the island. Like, I don't think it's unreasonable for him to be like, you're a hunter obviously it's significant because of the flashback but then when echoes like he was never even awake or whatever i just was like it's another little island doodad it reminds me of the thing that happened with kate with sawyer where wayne was Mm -hmm. like talking yeah i liked this moment for for Locke, just like owning up to like his mistakes i feel like he does it but never really at the right time, like with the Boone thing interrupting the funeral. But this was just like a nice little moment where he was just like, I really fucked up on this one. Not that even if he would have let Echo push the button, the best he could have done was go on the boat with Saeed because Michael wouldn't have let him come. I I think, okay, obviously he owns up to it and he's remorseful and everything, but I do feel like since nobody got hurt, this is being like, just kind of brushed off but they so easily could have died so many people could have died and it's just because the world could have died well yeah that's what i'm saying it's just like i feel like he's just like oh sorry i didn't trust you but like 
honestly, what he did was so bad. And I feel like it's just being brushed off because nobody got hurt. Yeah, but like, what are you supposed to do in that situation? It's not like he did it for malicious intent. He genuinely thought all of it was fake. Yeah, I get that. I do. I just feel like he should feel more bad. Oh, maybe he's not done. Maybe, but I'm like, if I'm Echo, I know he's not awake to, but I just feel like Echo's going to be like, it's okay, John. I'd be like, bruh, listen, use your head. Like, it's just kind of stupid. Ironically, it all worked out for the better because now it's not a problem anymore. Yeah, but I don't know. I do like to think, though, and we'll never know. That if Locke was thinking clearly and not focused on the button, he might have been able to been like on the same page as Saeed to be like, none of this makes sense with the Michael thing. Maybe. Also, I feel like that that relationship he had with Walt just was like completely dropped off. And like, I feel like he should have been part of the the rescue operation if he actually like cared about Walt like he said he did. True. Charlie and Locke drag Echo through the camp, and Claire and Palo ask what happened. Nikki says they need Jack, and Hurley says that Jack has been taken by the others. Everyone is confused, and Nikki asks when he was going to tell them, and Palo asks who they are. Locke tells them it's the others, and confirms that the Holy Trinity has been taken. Claire asks about the Silver Trinity, if they are okay, and Locke says he's unsure, but he is going to find their friends and bring them home. Hurley then looks at Desmond, throwing rocks at the water. And Locke says they first need to look after Echo and ask Paolo and Nikki to get towels and water and Claire to get first aid. Charlie tells Hurley it was a good speech, and Hurley experiences deja vu while looking at Desmond. Charlie is confused by that and asks him to get bandages when it wears off. Hurley stares at Desmond, who is looking out at the water. And that is how the episode ends. So a lot happened there. Yeah. In a recent episode, I was like, who the fuck are Nikki and Paolo? Because you and Kate referenced them. So I got that answer. Found them. Interesting. You've seen them before. I didn't remember that. I have no memory of ever seeing them. Okay. When did I see them? Okay, well, I probably should tell you. They have not been around before. (laughs) Yeah, you guys just said it. And I feel like... Kate kind of just like let me do that and like the second we were done recording was just like you know she's gonna like take one look at them and just feel like they have not been here the entire time yeah it's fine anyway they are actually new series regulars the thing with desmond i would love to think that um the magnet energy being released made him a psychic and until i am told otherwise i will be going with that that is my headcanon if you will why not there are psychics in this show. You said Walt is a psychic. We had the psychic in Australia. I'm going to go. Desmond is a psychic. All right. Hottie of the week. This was not a hot episode. Not at all. As I was watching this episode, I was like, okay, we don't have my three main hotties. My three main hotties. My four main hotties. I'm sorry. My four main hotties are not in it. And the airport scene isn't going to do it for me. Who's the fourth? Oh, Jin. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we don't have my four main hotties. I was like, am I going to have to give it to Ian Summerholder just for having like piercing blue eyes in a hallucination? And then all of a sudden an angel comes down from heaven, a standout hottie. I was like, who is this man? 
Who is this man speaking to me? Welcome to Hottie of the Week, Paolo. Oh my oh. God. I was like, who, who is this? And I'm getting a deep remote and I'm like trying to pause it on his face. I was like, who is this angel man? Beautiful. He had like two lines and I was like, hot tea of the week. You Hell are yeah. going to piss off so many people. Why? People hate Paolo and Nikki. Are you joking? That man is beautiful. It's the fact that they just like dropped them in and they were like, yeah, they've been here the whole time. I don't give a shit. That man is beautiful. He's in Hottie of the Week. Put him on there. Good what? luck getting a picture for our Instagram. There's plenty of pictures of Paolo. <laughs> How? I loved it. How did you not give it to Desmond? I thought about it. This is the thing. The episode was not that hot. So it was just like anybody who was like mildly attractive. But like Desmond running around naked holding his junk is not like hot. Like just because he was naked doesn't make him hot. You he literally like, gave it to Saeed four weeks ago for taking his shirt off. Because he has a really good body. I I analyzed Desmond's body. I was like, mm, not hot enough. Wow. He's a he's a pretty man and he has a really good accent. Nice luscious locks. But like, it wasn't doing it for me. The whole I, episode, I was just kind of trying to force a hottie until I saw Paolo. And I was like, okay. I Easy. feel like Desmond is just Scottish Sawyer. They have a very similar build, long hair, beard, like not really uh, muscular, but like good looking shirtless. Sawyer, Sawyer is like a built a little bit more. He's like still kind of a, a soft, a soft abdomen situation, but he's like built up a little bit more. Um, Desmond, I'm sorry. I considered it until Paolo looked into my eyes and said, who are they? I literally, I took one note this week one note and this is what it read who's this random guy in the shirt asking they who's they he's hot dot 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 paolo i hate that question who is they of course it's the fucking others like who else could it be yeah but i do feel like it's kind of even just joking at the fact that like the the d cast they are never involved. Nobody tells them anything. I kind of liked it. I kind of like that they're just like, oh, look, there's all these people on the island that have no fucking clue what's going on. Like, Paolo probably doesn't even know there's a polar bear running around. Yeah. I do. Like, Nikki was like, when were you going to tell us this, Hurley? And he, I wanted him to be like, I just got back. I was also taken by them. I loved it. Oh, my God. Hello, Paolo. Welcome to of the Week. I'm pissed off. Get but over it. He's beautiful. Speaking of Nikki and Paolo, there is a deleted scene, two deleted scenes, actually, about them in this episode. The first one being Claire walking into Jack's tent and finding Nikki and Paolo having sex in there. Awesome. See, that would have won hottie. And the other one is Nikki trying to apologize to Claire for what happened and then them seeing Locke and Charlie return with Echo. Cool. All right. So Locke is leader of the camp now. How is this going to go? I feel like he'd be a decent leader as long as he can keep his head on straight, you know? What do you think he's going to do to try and define the Holy Trinity? I don't know. Look for them? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> What's going on with Desmond? I already told you, the Magnum made him a psychic. He seems to be aware of that, though, and not saying anything. Also, he wasn't there for the speech. He didn't need to be. He already heard it. 
is is it like a that's so raven situation where he can only see what happens that he's there for and see into the future um i have no idea i'll have to learn more about his psychic abilities but there's no doubt in my mind that he's psychic and lastly what lies ahead for mr echo i don't really know he's just gonna probably keep building his church maybe or like find an, a new calling i feel like he might fade into the background a little bit but also they do need more camp plot so i don't really know final thoughts on the episode lauren it was okay and i'm pretty pumped about paolo <laughs> well it's been a great year let's do it all again oh my gosh i can't believe it's been a year let's see where we are going to be when we celebrate our two-year anniversary oh my two years will be ending season five starting season six wow yeah we'll have to do a party for that one i think we'll wait until the season six finale for that party fine next week there's an episode oh yeah i haven't even given any thought to this i'll tell you i would love for it to be a desmond episode can you tell me if we're gonna stay in main camp or go to the others go to the others kate no sawyer yes okay cool happy episode title every man for himself it's mm, pretty fitting for sawyer <laughs> yeah i mean it's gonna get rough out there much like our childhood terrible segue. <laughs> terrible zane is trying to segue into me talking about flashback which will be out on friday and we're gonna be telling some fun stories about our childhood which was not rough. It was it was pretty chill, if you ask me. <laughs> so terrible segue, Zane. But yeah, join us on Friday for Flashback. We're going to be telling some childhood stories. And if you want to see some awesome pictures of me and Zane as children, you can find them on our Instagram, which is just hot with content. Please so follow much, it. Please follow it. Like... We really are stepping up our Instagram game. I am showing off my Canva skills. And as always, if you have questions for flashbacks, throw them at us on any of our social medias. TikTok at LaurenGetsLost.pod. Instagram at LaurenGetsLostPod. Twitter, LaurenGetsLost. Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube. Last I checked, we had... 30 subscribers which means we're 20 subscribers away from me having to start writing the fanfic we now have 31 oh okay and then once we get to 100 i will be reading the fanfic and i want you to know i dread it every day and if that day ever comes i will probably cry i i literally have been thinking like i'm gonna have to start learning how to write a short story i love creative writing but i don't like anybody to read my writing I'm so nervous about this. Please don't um, follow this YouTube. Actually, we're up to 32. Shut up. I checked yesterday. I have been uploading all of our TikToks as shorts, but you can only do so oh. many in a day. Oh, no. That's so <laughs> rude. And I cannot believe that we've been doing this podcast for a year. And the only reason we haven't killed each other yet, aside from living across the country from each other, is because people actually care. So thank you so much for your support. And if you want to give us more support, leave us five stars wherever you're listening. Leave us a review and spread the word so we can get even more followers. Tell your friends, tell your family, and 
tell your local growers. And join us next week for Every Man for Himself. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Worcester, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead.